Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. Good morning, everybody. Uh, East Coast and West Coast right now. Um, we want to start out by saying that we are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, the BGN group of podcasts and writing is growing, so please check out the website. And we're also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We are up early this morning uh, because mm-hmm. we have an amazing guest that was able to join us today. I uh, worked around his schedule. Um, he does live in Florida, so we won't hold that against him. Uh, <laughs> but you will see, you'll hear him and see him quite often in the USL. But also, if you're a fan of any type of North American soccer with the CONCACAF Champions League, both coverage and on the call. Uh, we are excited to uh, have on today Tyler Terrens. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys, and thank you for, for waking up and, you know, <laughs> dusting off the eye crusties to, to allow me to be on the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I yeah. feel like it's like a, a Premier League Saturday, so I'll just pretend like that's happening. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, but... Much like yesterday, I will quickly go back to sleep. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm not putting you guys to sleep. I, I hope that that's the last thing that's going on. Chris, how are you, pal? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you? I am fantastic. If it's Premier League mornings, we might as well just, you know, the Liverpool, the Liverpool mugs. I know Alan's got his. Yeah, yeah, Premier League morning, it's three points. You know, it's funny. I had a joke about that. I was like, you know, this is like waking up for the Premier League, except y'all have already won the, the, the league. So it's might as well just go back to sleep. Yeah, there's no, there's no point. There's no point. It's been over for a while now. So I showed up to do yard work at Allen's house, basically. Look at that mug. Oh, goodness. All right, P. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So we, we're, we brought you on because we want to kind of do a – USL overview, if you will, kind of hit some highlights, uh, introduce some of our fr- fans to storylines that they should be paying attention to, uh, teams they need to know about, um, intriguing things going into the season. Uh, so we're hoping to get some of your perspective and educate some of the, the San Diego folks to what USL is and what it's about. Um, so we have some questions kind of geared up in that mind uh, to kind of get your perspective on things. Um, All right, Marissa. Which one are we starting with today? Uh, intriguing storylines. Yeah, so what are some of the intriguing storylines coming into this season uh, that we should kind of pay attention to? Um, intriguing storylines. Well, I think that there's a lot. I think that um, definitely San Diego is one. I, I mean, I think that just with Landon as the coach, Kerry as the assistant, Nate. Um, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a coaching staff get as much press leading into a season, especially for an inaugural season as these guys have. And obviously they should. Um, and I think that it, especially the way that they've tooled the roster early on and signing Joe Greenspan, reigning defender of the year, you know, that's, that's a big way to make a splash. Um, I, another big storyline I think has to be um, regearing and retooling again of Louisville city and Phoenix, um, you know, two teams that have historically been wildly successful in this league, you know, Phoenix obviously coming off of that ridiculous season last year, falling short to the Monarchs, um, selling Adam John, one of their better players for a hundred thousand dollars to Atlanta United and, um, getting a German third division striker, getting a bunch of guys throughout the league that were super successful. Santi Moar, Jack Farnby, um, 
you know, Darnell King coming over from Nashville, um, and then Louisville returning 16 or 17 of their guys from a team that has gotten to a third straight final. Um, those are two huge storylines. I think the Monarchs did a good job of, of keeping some pieces and adding some good pieces. I mean, you take a look at some of the guys that they were able to pick up from League One, like League One champions jumping to the USL championship champions, if you're still following me there. Um, as uh, this league has gotten better and better since I've been calling games since 2017. And obviously since the modern era in 2011, it just continues to grow. Um, so I think that seeing the good teams get even better and seeing teams that maybe have struggled in the past also maybe try to up their game a little bit. I think that Hartford athletic, despite having a really poor start to 2019 and, you know, finding a little bit of a way firing Jimmy Nielsen. And now they're starting to find some decent pieces. Ever Guzman's a great signing for them. Um, there's a lot of storylines and it's such a massive league. And I think that that's what people in San Diego should be aware of. There's 35 teams in this league and there's 20 teams in the premier league, just to give you an idea of what that means. It is the largest second division in the world. It is one of the largest leagues in the world by far. And it is almost impossible to keep up with And And we have coaches from the other conference, sometimes coming to me, David and Mike Watts saying, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? And said, why are you asking us? We're just guys who happen to commentate on the game, but they can't keep up with it because they're only worried about their conference. And I think San Diego fans will find it difficult to keep up with the East, especially come playoff time and try to figure out who you might be going up against if you are to get to the postseason and, and all that the like. But it's such a huge league. And while there are a lot of storylines in the offseason, um, it, it's even more difficult to keep up with once we start playing. But there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Include, I mean, I, again, I think San Diego probably has captured most of the headlines from a coaching and, and player standpoint at this point. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. Like I try to watch some extra <laughs> games. I'm like, I can watch maybe like two or three, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I do not envy the work that you and Devin and Mike Watts are doing on, on a weekly and the rest of the guys who broadcast uh, the homework you guys must do must be, uh, it must take up quite a bit of your time to, to prepare. And then you're swapping teams every week. So, uh, thank you guys for what you do when, you, when it comes to that stuff. Our pleasure. Well, A, we get paid to do it, and B, it's not homework. Um, so <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, um, you know, if Loyal were to get to the playoffs, um, with Phoenix and what, New Mexico getting to the playoffs last year, in their fr- no, or El Paso, my bad. Um, do you think that playoffs are a reasonable expectation for Loyal this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that especially with the expansion to 10 teams last year, I think it definitely makes it easier. Um, you want to try to avoid that play-in game um, because you saw teams who, you know, grinded it out up until the last moment who had to go into that play-in, play-in game and then just got absolutely throttled. Um, and I'm talking about Pittsburgh over, over Birmingham specifically. I mean, that wasn't really much fun to watch for the first, you know, or for the last 80 minutes or so. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're just not going to know until you start playing, right? I mean, we can speculate all we want. And, you know, Devin and I get a lot of questions. Has Phoenix gotten better? Has the Monarchs gotten better? Has Louisville gotten better? We have no idea. Like, we can, we can continue to speculate about, you know, what, what's going on on paper all we want. And especially with a new coach in Landon Donovan. I mean, Landon's never done this before. As much as we admire him from afar in terms of what he's done as a player, how many times have we seen fantastic players, not only in America, step into a coaching role and fail, but fantastic players elsewhere, you know, in Europe. I mean, Thierry Henry basically fell flat on his face with Monaco, you know, coached in, you know, about 15 games when sub 500 now gets a job with the Montreal impact and is stepping into champions league. We have no idea what Landon's going to pull off, but I think that the roster 
Landon's knowledge and the, and the staff that he surrounded him with, with, um, with Kerry Taylor and Nate Miller, I think that it's, it's reasonable, especially in the Western Conference. And I say that because it, it's really just who's, who can outscore who. You know, there's not much defense played in the Western Conference, as you guys know. And when you play in the East, you have to have sort of have been a member of the East to truly understand what it's all about. You can surprise people in the Western Conference early on, and that's exactly what New Mexico United did. Now, they get a deep run in the Open Cup, and everything falls apart. A, because they weren't deep, and B, because they just had a, guy, they just had a bunch of guys who didn't, had never really had balance going to travel to MLS teams in the middle of the week and then have to play league games. And, you know, St. Louis FC was the same thing. You know, they're not an inaugural side from, from last year, but, um, you know, these teams are, are, are struggling. But for San Diego, I mean, given the roster, I mean, Joe Greenspan is a guy who I actually grew up playing with, um, and I just have the utmost amount of respect for him. And um, I, I think that him as your first signing sort of sets the tone, and he's a great leader. He knows this league really well and he'll lead from the back moving forward. We talked about the strikers before we came on air in terms of Cutelus Wall and Francis Atuahedi. I mean, these are really, really good players, established players, guys who have proven themselves. But whether or not it's going to translate onto the field and depth, I, I can't stress that enough. It's a 34-game season. That's not normal. I mean, like, yeah, it is in terms of Major League Soccer, but, I mean, there's a lot of games to be played. There's a lot of legs. There's a lot of minutes that need to be managed, and you're going to need numbers 12 through 18 to really step up and get you over the finish line, especially in, a, especially in the conference like the West, where it's up and down, back and forth for 90 minutes. Really what it comes down to in those kind of games is who can make that gut-busting run in the 85th minute to go from box to box to maybe get a touch on a ball that's going to prevent the goal. Those are the things you see in the Western Conference. In the East, it's, it's a chess match. It's boring at times. You know, Bob Lilly has mastered the art of, of you know, just droning teams to death and then hoping that he gets a you know, late goal from Nico Brett. But... Um, no, playoff expectations for San Diego. I, I don't think that that's unrealistic, but if it's a slow start or you see the guys aren't gelling, I would not hit the panic button just yet. It just might just be growing pain. Yeah, that's the one thing I learned last year. It's like you wait 10 weeks, 10 games before you even start to think about, all right, this is what these teams look like. Because those first couple of weeks, you saw Tulsa last year go on a huge run and have a defender be golden boot <laughs> leader for a while and then all of a sudden it just tails off and then it's a completely different uh completely different season kind of the second half so i do appreciate you pointing that out chris um, do you have something i know you wanted to say something oh yeah let me let me see here let me let me throw one out i'm just kind of rapid fire now. <laughs> um you know, no, you know my, my question is gonna be more i guess along the lines of just you know i've looked at you you're doing a lot you're you're hosting a lot of shows um you know when you first started like, what exactly did you start with when it came to communications? Were you ever a writer? Just kind of want to get a little bit more of a landscape of of all you do. Yeah, so interestingly enough, I didn't even know that I wanted to be a commentator or sort of get into this until about junior year of school. Um, I played college soccer, and I was hurt for a preseason scrimmage. And long story short, a buddy of mine, we ended up doing like a fake broadcast of a, of a game that we were injured for an exhibition he put on an english accent i did an over exaggerated play-by-play and just basically was goofing around and you know our coach listened to it back and he like yanked me off the bus after we listened to it after the game and i thought he was gonna yell at me and he says you might have a real future in this like you could be really good at this you have a great voice you love sports you know sports let's get out of here like that was a joke like i, I don't want to be a commentator like but I end up hopping into the student radio station um, right after we lose my senior year in the conference semifinals. And I just had a blast. I did a triple header. I did men's and I, I did two women's soccer games in the NCAA tournament because our women's team was much better than the men's team in my school. 
And then I did um, a couple of basketball games as well. And I had the most fun I've ever had in a, in a 12 hour stretch. I got paid for it. And I just, you know, I'm, I miss partying with my friends, but at the same time I was having a lot of fun, but that's how I got into it. And then I actually wrote a little bit for NYCFC in their inaugural season. Um, I'm from New Jersey originally. So NYCFC had just come about. And one of my friends from, from elementary school actually was, it's still a writer and actually did some work for the USL. He's done some work for NBC sports soccer before. So my first experience was actually having Jason Christ rip me apart in a press conference after a game. When I asked the question about Guadalupe Poku that he was not happy about lo and behold, Jason Christ gets fired a few weeks later. I'm not saying that, you know, that those two things are related, but at the same time, he was very mean to me and I didn't like it. And I was about to cry in a press conference, but um, yeah, so that was sort of the beginning of it. And then, um, you know, I called a bunch of stuff at, at, at Hobart where I went to school, hockey, basketball, soccer. Um, and then um, I did a bunch of college soccer right after I graduated. I was a production assistant for Sportsnet New York. Um, and then I got a break as the voice of Vermont women's basketball. And then I had, cold called the front desk of the NWSL while I was in Vermont and got passed along to five different people. And then eventually somebody from Florida emailed me at 11 o'clock at night saying, we love your tape. Come down to Florida. We're broadcasting games for the USL and NWSL starting, starting this year. And then it just sort of, I, you know, I packed up my car. I went from the slopes to the beach and, uh, and now here I am entering my fourth season. So that's sort of how it, how it all came about. Nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really cool yeah it's been a it's been a crazy ride and i uh i, I definitely have some moments where I, i'm sort of like thinking to myself like it's pretty crazy that i'm you know able to do champions league able to do usl championship stuff um you know i almost have just run out of time to do nwsl just because i'm so entrenched in, in usl championship and, and the like but u.s open cup and now the champions league best show that Devin and i have um our podcast right. around his lads like it just all has sort of molded into just this like crazy jam-packed schedule but you know sort of like a teacher i do have a bit of an off season from november until until january so i was able to take some time off and, and go see some premier league fixtures in england which is great so um it's a nice balance that, I, that i've struck down here for sure and it's been it's been an incredible ride and i've worked with some amazing people that's awesome um what so you mentioned all the things you're doing in terms of podcasting and calling games and stuff is there a favorite or is there a dream call that you would like to do, like a game? Maybe a dream call. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I have a lot of my friends asking, and they're like, "What's your goal? What do you want? What do you want to do?" I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and flat out say, it. like, I'd love to have John Strong's job. I'd love to do, you know, MLS Game of the Week on Fox, and then just be the voice of the U.S. Men's National Team. Like that just sounds like an absolute dream. Traveling all over the country, going to these MLS stadiums being the voice of the top division in, in the United States and then also being able to call their games, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to call the U.S. men's national team games. So that's always something that I'm striving for, to be able to have a network gig and, and sort of um, be, in, be in that kind of role. And um, But listen, I'm very grateful for where I am right now. I, I got to do all of the Gold Cup and every single U.S. men's national team game. You could only hear me if you were outside of the United States. But, I mean, still, to be able to say Christian Kulikic's name and to be able to call games to the U.S. men's national team has been... Uh, like incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for where I am right now. I have higher aspirations, but yeah, I'd like to just sort of step into where John Strong is sitting right now and say, see you later. And then me and Sue Holden can become best friends and then I can just push Devin to the side. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite call from last season? A USL? Ooh. Um, you, you know what, there was a stretch of about three weeks 
where I had all of like New Mexico's greatest games. I had their draw against T2. I had their penalty kick shootout win against Colorado Rapids. I had their win against FC Dallas. And like that stretch was incredible. Um, the, the game against Colorado Rapids where Freighter scored that goal in the dying moments. And then there was, I think it was either before or after, I think it was before their three, three draw against T2 because they were up three, one T2 comes back. There were drinks being thrown on the field. Cody Mizell stops his own fans from throwing drinks on the field. Kavon Freighter comes down on the other end in literally the dying moments scores an equalizer. And my voice cracked like a 13 year old middle school kid. And I got, and I got all sorts of crap from it, from my family, from my friends and everything. But like, you know, I talked to my dad after the game and I just said, like, I'm kind of embarrassed. He goes, don't be embarrassed. Like, those are the best moments where you're so emotional, you're so invested in it that you can't even control the professional aspect that you're supposed to control in your voice. And you just sound, and you just sound like a kid again. And I would say that that T2 New Mexico game was, has to be like right up there with, with one of the best calls. But that stretch with New Mexico was just, unbelievable and i was and i was just getting randomly assigned to these games it wasn't like you know there wasn't any you know rhythm or, or rhyme to the madness it was just all new mexico and all they all happened to be incredible fixtures that's awesome yeah um i i can i've done writing before and some you know cover from uh, coverage on social media side and it's sometimes hard to separate like the professional to the fan especially on games that are like unexpected or late, late. Yeah. Oh, I like, I, sh- I shoved Devin into the wall. Like he had a bruise <laughs> because like, I because this ball is bouncing up and Freighter is winding up to hit it. And I just literally grabbed Devin's arm and I just, sh- I just like shove him into the wall. <laughs> I didn't even realize that I had done it until afterwards, but you know, him and I just get so into these games. Like I remember Phoenix in 2018 when Didier Drogba scored the insurance goal after Solomon Asante made like a ridiculous run down the right-hand flank and made it 4-2 against Will Park Rangers to go on to the conference final. And in like the top of your screen, you can see Drogba making this, making this like gut-busting run at 40 years old. And like Devin is like grabbing onto my neck. He's like, look at Didier, look at Didier, he's making this run. Like, like those are the moments where, you know, like Devin and I are just like, beyond like child like it's just childish at that point um but it, it it's such a rewarding and and fun job and it's just like how can you not do anything but smile when you get out of a game like that and you know to be paid to do this is you know like dick Vitale says it all the time like somebody's stupid enough to pay us to do it because it's just ridiculous <laughs> now you guys you broadcast some games live in person and some off of like a monitor is that how that works uh, some is a is a generous term. So I did 155 games last year, and I was there for four of them. So wow. I did two MLS games where I was just sort of like a sideline reporter. I did um, a sideline reporter for Atlanta United, St. Louis Open Cup, and then sideline and host of the halftime show for the USL final. Those are the only games that I actually attended. So does that, does that make it a little more difficult to be emotionally invested in those games because you're watching on a monitor? Or are you just like, it's it, you know the game so well that you can kind of put yourself in the position of like feeling the energy live? No, that's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, it, especially when I started in 2017 and when this whole thing at, at Vista World Link, the company that I worked for, was, was really new. It was difficult to put myself there because 
I was at every single one of these college soccer games that I started out calling in the fall of 2016. I, I was driving all up and down the Northeast and it was great to be there, feel the energy, hear the crowd, everything. And then I go from call, you know, my first double header was a game at Highmark in Pittsburgh and then a game at Colorado Springs. It was actually a game that was forfeited by Colorado Springs after the fact because, okay, or they had players on the roster that weren't there yet. Whatever. Long story short. In the beginning, it was very, very difficult to try to put myself there. And we would, ha- we used to have like some audio issues here and there. We were still working through the kinks and everything like that. But now, I, you know, all the audio engineers in the building know that Tyler just wants, he wants to be deaf by the time that he's 35. Cause I just haven't cranked the nap <laughs> up in my ear because that's the only way that I can put myself there. Um, oh, it's literally just hearing the crowd noise. So, um, I've developed a rhythm and I developed sort of this, this understanding that this is how I call games. This is how I make a living. It's, it stinks that I can't be there, but you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't make it any different for the fan. And I almost try to go over the top energy wise sometimes, because if I experience it, like I'm just sitting in a booth a thousand miles away from the game, it might not come off as energetic as it should. So I sometimes try to just up it a little bit so that I'm maybe gaining in the net, or if you're still following me there, I don't know. That's how I think about it in my head, but um, it, it can be difficult at the beginning, but it's, it, sort of become second nature at this point and i just expect to call games off a monitor and then when i get the great you know the fortunate opportunity to go to a game i'm like a kid in the candy shop i'm like oh this is what live sports looks like (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully you'll be able to come out to watch loyal live from your mouth to god's ears i would love to come out there and call a game live at loyal Absolutely. I don't know if I would leave, to be completely honest. San Diego and, and live soccer, there's no way I'm coming back. <laughs> That's been one of my favorite questions to ask some of the players uh, is, you know, it's like, hey, how does it feel being out here? And every, almost every single one of them is like, it's sunshiny and it's 70 and it's January. Yeah. This is a- that's, what Land- that's what Landon said at halftime of the USL final. He's just like, I'm wearing a scarf and a beanie right now. I don't need to do that at San Diego. A little bit of a recruiting right there. So you know, he, he, know, he knows what the selling point is. Right. So you can yep. train and you don't have to wear like 14 layers of clothes that you have to take off throughout the training <laughs> session. Well, I'm sure you're not wearing that hoodie anywhere outside of the apartment. Oh, definitely <laughs> not. No, definitely not. Yeah. Like maybe a little bit later at night because it's pretty thin. It's like a nice San Diego sweater where you can wear in the there evening you go. or in the morning yeah. or in the day. You know. How do we feel? How do we feel about the new kits? The new uh, kids, your kids, the first, the first edition of the kids, sore, sore subject, Good huh? Question. Um, so <laughs> I have made it pretty clear that I am not fan of white kids in general. I think they're kind of iconic for those iconic teams, but I like there to be color on the pitch. I think it makes a little bit more vibrant visual aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so white kits are fine. Uh, the orange kits look really nice with the texture, especially outside yep. in the sun. Uh, we saw one yesterday during the drum practice, and it's like, yeah, they did a great job. Those goalie kits, though, ugh. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, like, can I get all of them right now? Yeah. Like, I will that go. purple, man. The wow. purple, though. I want the purple. With the, I, like the, I like the stone brewing. I mean, I think yeah. that's a great sponsor, and like, you know, it just, I mean, it definitely suits me and Devin. I mean, I would love a San Diego kid at this point, but um, yeah, no, it, it, they look good. And the thing about the white kits, you know who has a white kit that I think it really sharp is Bethlehem, or excuse me, Philadelphia Union too. I'm probably going to say that at least 17 <laughs> times this year. I'm going to call them Bethlehem Steel, um, and I'm not happy about that. I don't know if you guys have heard it through on his last episode, but like Devin, I like I am not happy about the fact that we're going, we're regressing. Teams right. that had their own name right. are now going to you know the two teams, which is yeah. you know, 
yeah. mind-numbing to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bethlehem Steel is a really nice white kit. They got a collar on there. Um, I'm a big fan of the collar. I have people who rip me apart. They say collar is only reserved for rugby kits. I don't even know if that's what you call a rugby kit. Is it a kit? Is it a jersey? I don't know. But I, I you know, I think the white kit is it, it can it can do some things. But there are some teams that get it wrong. I will. I'm right. not saying San Diego is one of them, but it could. Be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I would have liked to see a little bit of that that orange accent on the Tory. Mm. I mean, just something to kind of bring the stripes together with with the ink. I mean, they gave some explanation for like Tory and, and its richness and such, but. I just think that there should have been a little accent so that it wouldn't have seemed such because it seems kind of templates like boom you screen print everything but yeah there's no, there's no relation with the uh, the side accents you know and that's my thing so so a, a front office a front office guy did uh, say that a third kit is coming and I think it's going to be like a monochrome like a one color badge instead of a color badge and like a like a darker kit um, and yeah. Then, they're working with Adidas on bringing the Tory Green to life. Uh, they said twenty twenty one season, which I thought was funny. It's like, ah, you're clearly you don't follow the sport that well because there's not like an overlap of years like every other yeah. sport. Uh, but I think for next season, they're going to bring uh, they'll replace the white with the Tory Green, uh, and then the learning focus. process. The learning right. process. And, it, and I think it's, it's when you talk to people, it's like, hey, it's like a two year process to like design build implement and get a kit made and when you think about how long it's taken some of these teams to put together like you like sam door talked about the new phoenix kits being like such a really long design process and I'm like well how much can you really get done when you didn't have a name a couple months ago let alone a crest and colors and how are you going to build a kit off of that so it's like you know going in you knew it was going to be a little bit you know, there's not going to be tons of bells and whistles on it. You just want it to look really clean on the on the pitch. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I don't, I dislike white as a kit just because I can't wear it because I'm chubby and I spill things. Um, <laughs> those are both sounds- not, not great for white. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the latter part of that, like, you know, the you spilling things on your shirt, like that's a you problem. Like you got to, you got to figure that out. Like, listen. <laughs> I eat like a baby dinosaur too, but like, you know, at the same time, you're not going to see me like, you know, dive deep into like a breakfast burrito while I'm wearing the shirt. Like I just, I just know my limitations, right? Yeah. You can just get some of those uh, USL uh, licensed uh, bibs that they have at those Walgreens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like- <laughs> Good idea. I think, I think the white's going to look nice on the pitch. I think the, or I think they're just going to look good on the pitch and, you know, that's why I always say about the, the kit reveals is you feel one way about it when you see it in person, but then when you see it out on the pitch on, you know, mm-hmm. 10 guys running around, running around the field, the pitch, um, it, you change your mind. Like sometimes things look great up close and then on the field, they're like, nah, I pass. Yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, if you guys rattle off a couple of wins in the first few weeks, like those kids are going to look mighty fine. But if you don't, right. you're going to suck. That's just more yeah. it's in the eye of the beholder, especially when it comes to results. That's true. And we start Vegas in two weeks. So we, I know the, the excitement's kind of palpable down here. <laughs> is, it, and the, I mean, is hell, are you guys going to drop cash down or is that just them? Like, what, 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 or is this a dog and pony show this time around or are we just going to actually play football? Ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, that's, I, 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 just, I just love your, uh, your, your fire, man. I just love it. 
I just want to see them be successful on the field. You can do all of the all the extra stuff if you get wins and you like if you back up what you're doing on the field. Just yeah. stop until stop until that happens though. It's just it's just crazy to me. And I have so much respect for Eric Winalda. I love what Brett Lashbrook does, like, but at the same time, Lord Almighty, just come on. We're better than that. <laughs> yeah, there are no no room for kiddie pools or petting zoos at Torero Stadium. Cash okay. drops. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the facility is really great. You're right up on the pitch. Like the corner flag is right in front of uh, the. I'm assuming the front stands, the supporter section is right above the goal. So it's a pretty good facility. Um, it'll be a really fun place to hopefully watch live uh, and also look good on TV. So we want to thank you for your time and get out. I know you got, you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on today. You got your CCL show uh, later today. Uh, no, it's Tuesday, Tuesday this week. Tuesday. So oh, we yeah. know that um, if you're not watching it, check it out. There's a lot of good information about teams that like from Honduras that you might not know. Uh, really in-depth coverage, so we really appreciate you doing that. Uh, we got your uh, Twitter handle up on, so if you're not following Tyler, please do so. It's a wealth of uh, soccer knowledge, but also some uh, some pretty good takes. Uh, so we really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us today. Thank you Thank so you, much. Tyler. Oh my! See you, see you in San Diego. Oh yes, I'm not leaving once I get out there. I'm just letting okay. you know. All right, bye. See you guys. So that was Taylor Terrence. Yeah, he's uh, he's hustling in USL. Um, there's like a stable of people who call games, um, and some of them are are pretty good. Some of them are pretty average. Uh, but if you get a Tyler Devin call on your game, you know it's going to be a really well called game. Um, Lots of good info, lots of good banter back and forth. The two of them really do know how to put on a show. Yeah, I think they have a new fan, a new follower. Um, <laughs> Just when you think you're busy. I mean, go back, it was go back like, to sleep. yeah, it was like 10 a.m., what, 10 a.m. On, on the East Coast on a holiday. And this man's energy is like, whoa. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm usually up at this hour. I don't know why I'm like. It's a holiday. <laughs> Someone's getting their grass cut, huh? I don't know. That's oh. Alan. Um, nope, that's not. It's uh, outside my spot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <With the> Someone <laughs> is getting their grass cut. <laughs> leaf, leaf blowers, man. Leaf blowers. Okay. So... um we didn't do the normal check-in, Alan, uh, because we had Tyler on like right away. So All right. we can do a check-in. How are you doing? Ready for the season to start? Um, ask me, yeah, I mean, ask me in a couple hours when I'm actually awake. But um, <laughs> no, uh, well, I, I think um, you know, I'm glad he asked about the kits because we're. I thought we we were going to probably talk about that because that happened last. Last Thursday, um, but I I definitely want to get the goalie kit, so hopefully that'll come on sale very soon. Um, yeah, Ooh. I know that. I, I'm so glad you guys popped that as a question because uh, you know that I think that probably brought the energy level back up for people because mm-hmm. you know 
Code of White came out, and I damn, dude, really? I gotta say, like, <laughs> bro, let the leaves go. They're gonna be back there tomorrow. But like, it's like, it's like, you know, when the White came out, and I told you that we we talked about it on the last show. I was like, well, it's gonna be White because that's the way they're gonna really push the sales on that, mm-hmm. and and to see it be White is like, okay, cool. Um, and you know, but it's, I didn't really see a lot of comments, you know, usually people you see go on Twitter and you go on Facebook and there's those people that are like, Oh, it's white. And you know, you do, you people seem to be like, you know, okay, cool. All right. You know? And then that minute that that goalkeeper kit question came out, it was like, bam, fire. I want all three of those. Right. So now now they don't have that mid season, like booster on their merch because good old Fairweather Pod just kind of <laughs> gave them a, right. kind of accelerated their uh, in game. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I'm trying to look for the the poll where they put up which kit people would get. Hold on. It was kit. Yeah, because you know some people said green. I was saying purple. A lot of people are saying purple. I think purple also loops in a lot of um, feminine qualities, I guess, to the kit. Um, maybe women might be wearing that uh, because of the purple. Hold on here. Okay, here it is. So far, 551 votes on the San Diego Loyal uh, poll about which goalkeeper kit, and uh, 47% say purple. Forty-two percent say green and eleven percent say yellow. So I think there's there's four hours and thirty-five minutes left on this. So by the time you listen to the podcast, it, the poll will already be over. But um, I hope well, that, there's, there's no teams that have a purple kit, right? I mean, I maybe just throwing that out there, but there's no teams that have it. You mean like in the USL, right? Oh there's yeah, not, yeah. Besides, like Louisville, but they only wear purple for home games i think they do like a golden white on the road usually so purple is a yeah um i also like the goalie kits because i cannot wear a loyal kit to work um so i like to appreciate the goalie kits have that gargoyle i don't know if the team is um thinking about doing that for maybe some of the kid kits Mm -hmm. so the kids can rep uh loyal at school you can wear a kid kit just like have a baby tea, you know. I don't know. Do they come in? <laughs> yeah, no, be just like a, a crop top. I look like Winnie, I look like Winnie the Pooh, pretty much. That's what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. Uh, no, I'm definitely. I definitely put a purple kit. Although seeing like the green kit when they put it out um, as just a picture of the kits. Uh, with like not being worn, the green kit does look really nice with some of the the texturing to it. Um, so props to that. But that purple kit was the first one that caught my eye, and yeah. I can't go. Um, there also was a picture. Someone, one of the players, posted their like official pictures, and it was like a completely different kit, like a long sleeve goalie i don't know hold on yeah that was uh, uh was that uh jake fenlinson i think yeah yeah, yeah. had um yeah a, a, just a yellow 
Uh, yeah, it was like long sleeve, yeah. Yeah, long sleeve yellow, but without it doesn't look like it has the gold highlights. Has looks like it's blue on them. So maybe uh, maybe it's just a placeholder. Yeah, like blue and blue Adidas stripes, a little bit of a collar. I do like the collar shot. Collar shot, by the way, because that makes me feel like when I was a little kid. That was uh, with the goalkeeper gloves from West Coast goalkeeper. Yeah, you can see it here. Fenlinson Fenlinson tweet that someone turned into a Valentine's Day card. Oh. <laughs> Speaking uh, of Valentine's Day cards, did they give us a one this year? USL memes? No, we haven't played a game yet. Whatever. What would your Valentine's Day card be? I don't know, but I feel like it's like a prime it's like a it's like easy. It's a layup. Loyal and Valentine's Day. Like I feel like you can use those words in a Valentine's Day card, but I didn't give it much thought after he snapped back with that. <laughs> you didn't play yet, so. Well, you know, it, it'd be something like I land on your heart or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just, just, just a picture of landing, and that's it. I'll be loyal to you forever now, or I'll be loyal to you now, forever and always. Um, another poll. Let me, that, let me take poll. you out for appetizos. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> go, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. I'll, I'll be your buffalo mozzarella. <laughs> another poll. Yeah, another poll that's out right now is the USL uh, just dropped a poll asking fans who their favorite kit was. Um, the favorite kit launch it was Reno, Tulsa, or Loyal. Um, and last I checked, uh, Loyal was leading that poll quite significantly. So great job out there, everybody, for hopping on that Twitter poll or that yeah that Twitter poll. Pretty mm-hmm. we're up sixty one percent. That one does have two days left. So if you watch this today, you listen to our podcast um, in the next couple of days. You should still have time to vote for that. We're at 582 votes, and we're at 61%. Uh, I do agree that we do have the best kit out of those three for sure, um, especially when it's um, the Tulsa is just a white-black. The Reno is blue with a little yellow bib kind of deal, and then you have the beautiful white and orange kits from Loyal. Uh, so please uh, hit up that poll. See how high we can get that right now at 61%. Same maybe. 65, 70. Adidas kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, when I saw those Reno kits and I saw a little bit of the striping, kind of similar to the goalkeeper kits, and then just like, you know, some of the shape pattern going on there, I was like, okay, this isn't just a simple, uh, you know, like solid color kit, much as like, you know, like what you saw with Tulsa or even first year in New Mexico. So I, I definitely was like, okay. They're stepping it up a little bit. Um, I was hoping that maybe the, the the collar stripes, like the collarbone stripes, were going to carry over, but I guess that is just strictly like an MLS uh, kit. You know what I mean? So I'm personally happy that they didn't carry over, but I think they can work if you design it that way. But when you take existing kit designs like, like LA Galaxy and throw your Adidas shoulders on it, it's like, it's like two ideas together. Sometimes those don't work too well. But I think if you design that in uh, with 
kit design in mind, like take your iconic kit and then meld the three stripes into it. I think maybe you can cre- create something cohesive, but I think that LA galaxy kit, for example, is kind of a hodgepodge of ideas. Although the Minnesota United one looks pretty nice. Yeah, that, that is nice. I like um, the FC Tulsa one, the white with like the big crest on there. I don't know. I just like the simplicity of it. Uh, uh, like a really thin pinstripe down yeah. the front. <laughs> so um, I have a question for you, Alan, since you were at the kit reveal. Uh, Chris yes. is not in town, and I was at a previous en- or engagement that I needed to be at. Um, do you have any takeaways that weren't tweeted out about uh, your interactions with <laughs> uh, any of the staff or players or fans that you might want to touch upon? Um, well, first of all, the fact that the coaches and players were available uh, for the whole evening, like they, if you hung out after the kit reveal um, and you waited in the line and maybe got your kit or not, no comment. Um, just taking out like players are walking around uh there was a couple guys doing some some media hits that you could walk up to and engage with um just really cool conversations that you're able to have one-on-one with a player or coach Uh, you can really ask questions that you really want to know uh they were um a couple of them mentioned that they were just excited to get the season started like they wanted to go or like Mm -hmm. they were definitely excited to start playing as we were um, and, um, I got a chance to talk to, um, a player, um, Raul Maniola, and I was asking about the CBA and he was, he was, he was surprised that anyone would even ask about it, let alone like have the, like, have, the have the wherewithal to ask that question. It was interesting. His response was like, Hey, you're the first person to ask me about that. And I think it's, um, I think what we wanted to highlight is, you know, this is hopefully a family on and off the pitch. Um, those guys are out there working really hard to earn their money. And um, we got to rem- remember that they're out there trying their best. They're not, they're have families to support. And some mm-hmm. of these guys have moved countries. Some of these guys have moved from the East coast, to the West coast, even the coaching, some of the coaching staff have uprooted their lives to come out here. Um, and right. sometimes remembering that these these players are people, um, and that we need to support them and understand what they're doing off the pitch as well. And really, when the CBA comes out, um, really rally around it and and be vocal in support of uh, you know players coming together and saying, you know, here's some minimum qualifications that we think the league should have. And um, I think it's important to understand that this isn't just what happens in the 90 minutes or 95 minutes. It's really about, you know, we've been talking about the being involved in the community, but really, you know, it's really important to remember that these, the players on the pitch are humans and that they have things that they, you know, this is their job and they have things that they care about and want to do. They want to be successful. No one on that pitch is going to kind of half-ass it out there because this is a career. Um, So it was, it was some pretty, um, some pretty cool conversations with people that happen to play soccer uh, for the team in San Diego. So it was really cool to see that the team did a great job with the events and the accessibility of 
the players and their coaches. They're just walk, like Nate Miller and his family was just walking around the whole time. Uh, so if you wanted to chat, chat him up, he was more than willing to chat you up. Uh, so it's really cool to see that accessibility, uh, that com- community building. It's, it is one thing that I like about USL. It's, it mm-hmm. seems to be a grassroots family type deal. Mm-hmm. And the corporate, there is, I mean, the fact that I left before some of the players did um, just speaks to the community yeah. that we're here. That's uh, that's exciting because we know that other professional teams in this town definitely didn't do that for a long time. So um, I think, but this that party will probably be one of the only opportunities to really do that up until maybe possibly next season, unless they do like end of year party or something. Cause I've, I feel like they're like now into game mode, like where they're not going to have eggs. We're not going to have as a much access to that type of atmosphere unless there's like a season ticket holder party or something that's like more community based. Now that we're about a week and a half from kickoff. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think that those things will calm down a little bit, but, you know, after the games, um, there's almost always players that come over to the fans and to the families mm-hmm. and sign autographs and you can, you know, it might not be as let's hang out for three hours. Right. Uh, there is definitely like after games, um, those fans of the San Diego soccers will, will recognize this where they do the lap around, around the court. Um, team like you can come down to the basically straight down almost onto the pitch and the players will be hanging in afterwards signing autographs because uh, their families will be there and they're going to want to say what's up uh, so there is still that that really kind of cool fan to player interaction that you probably don't get at most mls stadiums mm-hmm. that you still get at usl um it won't be like i said it won't be like let's go hang out and you're going to get a one-on-one face-to-face mm-hmm. conversation but there is very much that family feel that we're in this together. And if they're doing it right, they'll come over. Uh, they'll give some love to the supporter sections. They'll go get, go over the fans because it's you're right there on the pitch. Uh, so you will see that quite a bit uh, after mm-hmm. matches. I'm excited. Yay. Next weekend. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, two weekends, right? Well, this weekend's a friendly against Costa oh, FC. Uh, which I is a colleague, right? Um, I tried to do a little bit of research about them. Um, they had a perfect season in seventeen eighteen, but they have some new owners. Um, they lost their title match in 2018-19, so they were pretty much unbeaten in Panama. So they're one of the stronger Pan- Panamanian teams. Uh, so they should give us a pretty good, um, a pretty good go of it. Um, so it should be a pretty fun match this weekend. Um, so hopefully we see some of you guys out of the friendly. I know I'll be there, uh, probably drumming away. Um, so please come out and check it out. Um, we aren't going to do our team previews this week. Um, they're supposed to be Orange County and, um, was it Real Salt Lake? Mm-hmm. So we will push those to, uh, probably next week. Um, and, oh, uh, I did want to briefly talk about, uh, these fan cups. Um, so there's a couple of, there's one for California. There's Copa, Copa Tejas, the Texas cup, 
There's the Four Corners Cup. Um, there's a really cool history in the USL of fans creating these competitions between teams. You create these like mini little tournaments throughout the season. Um, and the one in California is called Copa Califas, and it's basically all of the California teams. Uh, anytime they play each other, uh, they they're, they're, those games count to the cup. And at the end, you have uh, the best California team. Allegedly, last year, Los Dos won. So their fan celebrated. Their fan celebrated. Um, <laughs> so it's just something kind of cool that you see in uh, USL, these like made-up tournaments. They do have cups that they give out uh, to supporters groups and or teams, depending on how big the team is bought into it. Uh, so you can... Google Copa Califas. There is a website. They update it from time to time. Um, and Chris, do you want to talk about, I think you were involved in the Four Corners Cup last year? Yeah, so, so there's the Four Corners Cup, and that's between um, Real Monarchs, Phoenix Rising, and uh, Colorado Switchbacks with New Mexico United. And uh, So basically, there's, I mean, it's, more of like a, a wooden plaque. It's got like some some gold uh, accents to it, more or less. But uh, yeah, the Four Corners Cup last year, uh, Real Monarchs won it. It came down to the last matchup with uh, with Phoenix and and Monarchs as far as who who walked away with with the cup. But ultimately, the Monarchs got it. It's kind of a telltale thing, right? Because then they got the cup. It was like you won two cups in one season. They they won the domestic double. <laughs> yes, the domestic double, no beer included. Nice. Uh, so please keep an eye out for those. Uh, again, a lot of these are just fan created, uh, which is another great thing about USL is the uh, the level of fan involvement is is pretty significant. Um, so keep an eye out for it. If you want to create your own, um, go for it. Uh, there's been jokes about uh, the cannabis cup where you have competition between. <laughs> teams where marijuana is legalized so there's tons of just that the fun stuff that fans make up and it's just it's another reason for another excuse for banter on the interwebs is there is there an oc san diego uh copa in your Uh, eyes alan maybe the i5 what's that the surfliner cup surfliner cup yeah Yeah. leave out of it because no one likes it <laughs> Could it be like a craft beer cup? Because maybe Orange County has a little bit of good craft beer. Or they, maybe have a, they have a few. They have a few. Like the who, else, who else would be in that cup? Like uh, craft, the craft beer cup. Yeah. Timbers too. New Mexico. Timbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, switchbacks. You'd have to throw Colorado in there. Yes. Yeah. I have to do some research. Who else is good at craft brew? There are mm-hmm. a lot of places that are getting better, but I don't think anyone's going to be as close to San Diego anytime soon. Yeah. New Mexico is like the highest per capita or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, but, and some good stuff. I was actually surprised last time I was out there. I was like, oh, dang. Come on, boy. Come on. So <laughs> next week, we'll, we'll push Orange County and Real Monarchs to uh, next week. So we'll do like a four team highlight of the, uh, the top four Western teams. Um, not counting Fresno. So the top five Western teams last year, minus Fresno, RIP Fresno. Um, so that'll be next week. Um, we'll have kind of a recap of the friendly, maybe preview a little bit of what Reno's about uh, for the next friendly. 
Um, and then it's pregame time. Uh, Marissa, where can we yes. find you on the internet? You can find me at hashtag Marissa spelled out. It's on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. H A S H T A G M A R I S A. And Mr. Walker. You can find me at by Chris Walker on Twitter and Instagram. You know, when I just got a new uh, Revenge of Cosmic Ghost Rider comic book, so I might have to put a couple pages on my Instagram to show you how fire it is. <laughs> Go for it. I'd love to see that. Uh, and you can find me at 8underwood48 on the Twitter machines. Uh, you can follow the podcast as well at fair underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube uh, to catch us live or watch it after the fact. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play. I'm uh, working on a couple other ones. So if there's Spotify. a native, Spotify app. If there's a um, specific native podcast app that you are excited to or you use, please let us know, and we'll try to get uh, our podcast moved to your native podcast app. Looking at you, Cesar Hernandez. Um, <laughs> Hey, we got to give a shout out to Jerry Jimenez. Is like online watching. That's amazing, yeah. man. That he is online. So shout out to you, Jerry. Yes, Jerry. Jerry is a loyal watcher and listener. He's also a host of a three or four other podcasts. So right. very. So thank you, Jerry, for being on this morning with us. There's a few other people, but I don't know if they're here because they haven't announced themselves. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, thank so, you guys. For stopping by early if you watch live uh if you're catching us later and we sound slightly more lethargic than normal uh it was an early morning uh so thank you for stopping by and we will see you guys next time this and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network you can find other podcasts on bgn.fm the fairweather podcast is also sponsored by roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.